Science starts with the words, I don't know. When we admit that, we can start to unravel the mysteries of the universe. Are we alone? Will we settle other worlds? How will we survive climate change? What will humanity look like in a thousand years? Join the greatest science minds and me, Dustin Driver, as we go through the unknown. When you edit DNA, it's permanent. The cell you edit will be changed forever, or at least until it dies. But what if there was a less permanent way to edit genes? There is, actually. It's called RNA editing, and it happens quite a bit in our own cells. RNA is the go-between in protein synthesis. DNA codes to RNA, which then codes to specific proteins. Proteins are what we're all about, so if you alter anything in that production chain, you potentially change the entire organism. In nature, RNA editing happens in that stage between DNA and protein synthesis. Here's how it works. Imagine protein synthesis. DNA unravels and pairs up with messenger RNA. That RNA breaks off and goes to assemble some protein. Before it can, some sneaky enzymes jump in and make some changes to the RNA. Thanks to those changes, the RNA makes a new protein, one that isn't coded in the original DNA. So why would this happen? Multicellular organisms like you and me are super complicated. We require lots of different kinds of proteins to function, more than our DNA actually codes for. In fact, RNA editing is a way to get more variety out of a limited amount of DNA. It gives us far more adaptability. For example, we found that liver and intestinal cells share the same DNA for a particular protein, yet they make a different version of it. The liver makes a protein that carries cholesterol in the bloodstream. In the intestine, thanks to some RNA editing magic, a shortened version of the protein absorbs lipids, kind of like a fat sponge, before they move into the bloodstream. It's the same DNA, but it codes for a different protein. In the last episode, I said we'd be talking about squids. Well, scientists at the Marine Biological Laboratory in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, discovered this RNA editing in squids a few years back. An article published in Wired in May suggests that the discovery was recent, but Joshua Rosenthal and his colleagues announced their discovery in March of 2019. At any rate, they found this kind of RNA editing in squid axons the long, skinny, filament-like cells that connect neurons in the brain and nervous system. It's the first time anyone has seen so much of it. They estimate that more than 60,000 cells in the squid's brain use RNA editing, giving them a tremendous amount of adaptability. Side note, a lot of the articles that I read said something along the lines of, squid can edit their own RNA. But it's not like squid are doing this on purpose. They can't consciously think, hey, I'm going to edit my RNA so that my brain cells work better for this particular task. Probably like, you know, cracking open a crab or something like that. It just doesn't work that way. This is a natural process and it just happens. I don't think squid are aware of it. And even if they were, I don't think they could control it. 
Is this even more evidence that cephalopods are from another planet? Or perhaps they are actually Earth's supreme species, more advanced than us talking monkeys? But probably not. They are definitely more well adapted to life in the ocean, and they may be a little bit more genetically complex, but they're not more advanced. In fact, the term advanced is meaningless in evolutionary terms. There are just too many factors to measure. Are we talking smarter or better at adapting to the environment? If it's smarts, we win. But bacteria win when it comes to adapting to their environments, no contest. But I digress. Rosenthal and his colleagues hope to figure out how RNA editing works in squids so they can do the same thing in other animals and humans. Like some kind of Island of Dr. Moreau scenario? Well, not really. Many genetic diseases could be treated with RNA editing. And because you're not changing cell DNA, your changes won't be permanent. But wait, wouldn't you want to permanently fix a genetic disorder? We simply don't know the long-term effects of modifying DNA directly. A DNA treatment could reverse a genetic disorder, but cause cancer down the line. We just don't know. RNA editing, on the other hand, would be safer. If doctors encountered any issues with the treatment, they could stop right away without causing permanent damage. RNA editing is a hell of a lot safer than DNA editing. If you make a mistake, the RNA just turns over and goes away, said Rosenthal in the Wired article. You could read this article by Eric Nyler at Wired.com, and you can learn a ton more about RNA editing at Chemical Engineering News. Links in the show notes. I also found an awesome YouTube channel that delves into the nitty-gritty of RNA editing. Show Moose Biology goes over RNA editing in a clear and concise manner, using nothing but a headset and a whiteboard. I was definitely able to follow along, even with just a few college biology courses under my belt. Go check them out if you want to nerd out about RNA editing and other biology stuff. For this one, I thought maybe I should take a different tack. I typically write out my podcast and then read it like some sort of robot. People have told me that, well, I sound like I need to breathe more. I wonder, maybe I could do these off the cuff. I'm not too sure. Even now, as I'm ad-libbing, it does sound a lot like I've written it down. At any rate, maybe the next one I do will be ad-libbed, and I won't rely so much on a script. Let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter. It's Dustin underscore Driver. And you can also find me on my website, DustinDriver.com. There's this nifty little web form that you can fill out and send me a message. So uh, go ahead and do that. That'd be awesome. You can find out more about me on my website. It's DustinDriver.com, like I just said. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and also on Google. And finally, you can also subscribe to it on Podbean. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, The next one, I don't really like to foreshadow. We'll see what comes up. Right now, everything is really kind of chaotic, and there's a lot of turmoil going on in my country here in the United States and all over the world. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. There's social uprising, justified social uprising, I may add. And to top it all off, there's also an emerging economic depression. So while I'm fortunate enough to be able to avoid at least some of those things, I'm affected by others, and uh, the stress is pretty tough. 
So as for the next subject, I don't know. Maybe I'll talk about whether or not those masks everybody says to wear really work. But probably not. In times like this during the global pandemic, I think there are experts who are experts in pandemics and viral diseases. And then there's just some guy with a podcast. You don't really want to know what I have to say about it. So I'll go out there and I'll look for some more interesting science and technology to report on. I'm sure somebody's doing something right now, even the way things are. And if all else fails, there's always science fiction. Because, well, we can dive into the depths of our own minds and make stuff up, right? I've been doing a lot more of that lately. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I hope you're safe and sound. And I hope that the world becomes a better place instead of a worse one moving forward. And also, thanks for the positive reviews. I really appreciate them. They go a long way to promoting the podcast. If you like what you hear, and you want to hear some more, give me some more stars. I'm collecting them. Thanks for listening, and join me next time as we continue through the unknown.